Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. Many, many years ago, I remember kind of, I think, one of my first areas of involvement in Christian or church ministry outside of my own home church was when I was uh, partway through seminary, I ended up filling in for a church in Belmar, New Jersey, where the pastor was on vacation, some kind of conference, and he was on leave for probably four to six weeks. And I remember driving from, let's fly around me, driving from Pennsylvania uh, over to Belmar and stayed in an older couple's house during that time. And then on Sundays, I would speak on Sunday morning while this pastor was away. I've thought about that church many times and actually have interacted a little bit very early on over the years and been to Belmar many times. But this last February, uh, there was an event in Belmar, maybe because it was in February and that's when I was actually originally at the church. I just thought, I wonder how that church is doing, and I wonder what's up. And so I couldn't remember the name of the church, so I simply Googled churches in Belmar, and I went through the list. None of them jumped out at me. Only one maybe had some sort of inclination that possibly that might be it, but I just, I didn't feel like any of those listed were the names of the churches where I was at many years ago. So I drove down to the event, and I put in the GPS the name of this one church, and I went there, and I'm just like, no, that's definitely not it. It's just, it's not, that's not the one. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but like literally I was parked there on the street, and just like that, it dawned with absolute clarity the name of the church that I was at. Uh, I've been trying to think of it for three weeks, but until that moment, it did not hit me. And then right away, I like, that's it. And so I put that name, I Googled that name, and uh, it said it was permanently closed. I know sometimes Google can make mistakes. So I put in the location. It was only about a minute or two away. I went to the location. And here, this church where I had filled in for was actually now a funeral home. And that just haunted me for probably weeks, maybe if not months. And if you're at all familiar with sort of what's happening up and down the Northeast, particularly, you know that a lot of New England white clapboard churches are often repurposed for antique shops or handcraft shops or some kind of museum. And it just gives me a sense of weightiness to see churches fall off the map. Jesus said that he would build his church and that the gates of hell or the gates of darkness or the gates of death would not prevail against it. And when Jesus said that, he wasn't saying every last little church will survive and thrive. What he was saying is my cause of redemption, my redeemed people in this world, I will continue to build them. But that doesn't necessarily equate to every individual church thriving 
and flourishing. There's no secret formula to that. But one of the things that we're truly passionate here at Southridge is continuously diving in to who God has called us to be. We've been in this series in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 simply called Core because at least part of what we want to do is have our lives continue, continue to be increasingly rooted and grounded in the truth of the gospel. Now, this church is 153 years old and maybe after a season of time it can be easy and I forget what the stat, the data is for the life timeline of churches. But it can be easy to lose contact or anchoredness in the core aspects of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So we spent time in Ephesians chapter 1 looking at the core components of what it looks like to be a believer in Jesus. To belong to him as adopted sons. To be chosen in him before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. To know that God blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We moved into Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, we looked at the idea of sin because it's a three-letter word that we all have kind of mixed reactions to. Maybe a finger-wagging, self-righteous, judgmental kind of spirit is accompanied by that word sin. And so we took a pretty deep dive into what exactly the Apostle Paul means and Scripture means when it talks about sin and actually falling short of the glorious purposes for which God created us. We looked at what it means to be saved by grace or rescued by God's kindness to us through faith. We looked at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It'll be on the screen. It says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Look at these next couple words. Not by works so that no one can boast. And so we belong to God. Not by our own efforts. Not because we are somehow deserving of that. Not because we're suburban, nice people but only because of the riches of God's grace. And we can't explain it. We can't really categorize that. We don't understand fully how that works. All we know is this. If we belong to God, it's not because we were smart enough to choose him. It's not because we were wise enough to figure out the truth of scripture. It's because God somehow has brought us to himself. Last week, Jeremy talked about being reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. And then in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, it's a verse that we really didn't cover at all when we looked at that set of verses between 4 and 10. And we didn't cover it intentionally because I knew it would be a focus this Sunday. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Notice, to do good works which God prepared in, in, in advance for us to do. And so our relationship with God is not based on works. It's not based on our effort. It's not based on our striving. 
Our relationship with God is strictly because of the grace given to us in the person of Jesus Christ and our response of faith to that. Our relationship with God is not based on what we do. And yet Paul also says, we are called to something. We're called to good works. Here's the deal, friends. Often our focus, and appropriately so, is that we are saved from darkness. We're saved from sin. That's absolutely true. But sometimes we don't get to the other half of that. Yes, we're saved from sin. We're saved from darkness. But we are saved to God's purposes in our lives. You're not just saved from something. You're saved to something. You're saved into God's plan for your life. You're saved into representing God in this world. Churches aren't simply places where people become comfortable in their own little space. Churches are active places that want to be representations of God in this world. Sometimes we also say, God doesn't save us from our humanity. God saves us into our humanity. One of the things I kind of enjoyable about the original language this was written in Greek is that it places the word of emphasis first in the sentence. And so in our translations, it begins, for we are God's handiwork. In the original Greek, it actually simply starts with the, prep, with the pronoun for God, his. In other words, it basically says, his handiwork we are. In other words, the first the primary truth is we are his handiwork. It's not about us. It's about him. It's his handiwork we are. His handiwork you are. It's not primarily about you. It's about him. And so God rescues us from darkness, from sin, from ourselves, and he saves us to please God, to walk in his path, to walk in his ways, to do the good work that he's called us to do. It just really dawned on me as well the significance of that word created in this verse. It harkens back to the original creation of God. And it reminds us that the work that God is doing in our lives is a new kind of creation. It's a restoration of his original creation in our lives. We're created, we're recreated in him. For his good purposes. Well, if you've been around Southridge for 18 months or so, you know that in 2022, we kind of put a plan together called Built Together 2025. You got a little brochure that looks like uh, this when you came in, and uh, it outlines some of what's been accomplished over the last year. We're not going to go through that this morning as a grocery list. We simply want to place that in your hands for you to be able to look at. And honestly, our hearts are just filled with thankfulness for all that God has enabled us to accomplish. And it was sort of a plan to keep us on track, to make sure that we were action-oriented and being responsive to the good works that we sense God is calling us to. And so it wasn't simply a strategic plan, a mechanical plan but a responsiveness of this church, of, of we together as the body of Christ to move more deeply into the good works that God was calling us to. 
And so this morning, we wanted to bring you up to date on that just a bit. Our mission here at Southridge is for people to experience belonging, embrace God's grace, and extend God's love. We actually put built together 2025 around those three components. All of those three will be on the slides. One, experience belonging. We wanted to increase and strengthen avenues for relationship and connection. Embrace God's grace. We wanted to increase and strengthen avenues for deepening discipleship. Number three, extend God's love. We wanted to increase and strengthen avenues for redemptive engagement. And so Built Together 2025 was simply an initiative to help us to strengthen the body here and its effectiveness for moving into the good works that God was calling us to. I'm going to invite two ladies up, uh, Amy Webb and Kim Moore. Uh, They are both going to come, and together we're just going to walk through some of these initiatives. Uh, They've had some level of leadership in coordinating some of them, and uh, we're just going to take some time and work through. Thank you, ladies, for joining us. First of all, um, when it comes to embracing God's or experience belonging, uh, a lot of the experience belonging can kind of be put in a number of areas. Uh, Real quick, some of the smaller things that we've done, not smaller things, but significant things, uh, just having a connection time, special event time on a Sunday morning. This morning we have donuts. We try to do that about once a month. It gives people just another opportunity to more deeply connect. Uh, We've tried to be pretty intentional about our large group connections as well, Christmas tree lighting, fall picnic and fireworks, Uh, just to increase the number of areas where people are connected and have avenues for connection. But another aspect of experience belonging, we also wanted to provide a forum for people who may have particular needs or have particular areas of needed healing in their lives. Uh, We felt that we've had a lot of mainstream groups, I'll get to them in a bit, but we also wanted to focus a little bit more on some kind of like specialized area of needs. Uh, Amy, you're our care coordinator, and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the how, what God placed on your heart and some of what we've done in moving into some of those areas and how that sort of dovetailed with particularly your role and your leadership in that. Sure. So um, in order to kind of get to where we are now, kind of have to go back to when I came on to staff a little more than four years ago. And I very quickly realized, wow, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of need. There's a lot of struggle, um, particularly in the area of mental health or people just having um, really hard life circumstances. And it became readily apparent that both I and like us as a church needed to find better ways to help people and to make that more accessible. Um, So one of the things that I started then continues ongoing is just continuing to try to build our um, referral list for um, Christian counselors. But it's also, that's that's a challenge uh, because we really do like vet them and see them as partners. And so, um, you know, what I've really seen, particularly post-COVID, is um, that the need is just like outpacing like the availability of the counselors and who's on our list. Um, so that's something we're definitely working towards, um, like so much so that um, I actually have just started going back to school to become a counselor myself. 
Um, but then one of the other things that I um, came across and went out um, <clears throat> and participated in was getting equipped to facilitate trauma healing groups. Um, and that is through the Trauma Healing Institute, which is a subgroup of the American Bible Society. And it's a really, really great starting point. Um, and we've offered that twice now. That's been going really, really well. And um, secondly, we have started offering um, some really accessible mental health help here with, with um, some group counseling offerings where we bring in a licensed clinical Christian counselor. Um, and we've done one for grief so far. And we're currently running one right now for anxiety. And those have been really well um, received and well attended. Yeah, it's just awesome to see God at work, particularly in those groups. Um, Kim, jumping on to uh, embracing God's grace, uh, you've become involved in a very part-time role on our staff as a prayer coordinator. Just a little bit of background for that. Uh, one of the things our, our board wrestles with, and we at, as church leadership have wrestled with, is spouses serving together on our staff. Amy is the spouse of Dan Webb, who's on our staff. Uh, Kim is the spouse of Jeremy Moore, who's on our staff. And we actually probably historically been highly resistant to that. Um, and whatever the case is, we always want to look for the most qualified candidate, uh, the, the candidate that has the most gifting and skills to accomplish the role that we have in mind. But probably rather than sort of avoiding that, we've kind of thought through that a little bit more. And some of that prompting has been just the, the realization that when we, the, the calling to ministry sometimes does work in a couple kind of environment. Um, often when we send out missionaries, we support the couple because it's almost assumed that they're going to serve together. And so while we don't give preference to the employment of spouses, we also try to be open to the conversation. As, is there some sort of almost mutual calling there that we can be supportive of? And in talking about that with you, you really had a, a unique perspective on that as a missionary kid yourself. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, good morning. Um, so... <clears throat> My family moved to Germany from Texas when I was 10, and um, my parents did a really good job of sort of casting the vision that this was a family endeavor, that our family was called to be missionaries in Germany. So it wasn't just my dad um, going to teach at a German seminary over there, but it really was our whole family um, that we were all going to be experiencing the sacrifices that were made, leaving family and familiarity, learning a new language and new customs, like we did that um, together. And I actually remember very clearly my parents telling this story. It's funny because Jeff talked about being part of crew, and my parents actually both came to Christ um, in Missouri uh, through Campus Crusade, um, which is what it was called back then. So it's kind of a cool connection. But I remember them telling this story of being at a Bill Bright conference, and there were maps all over the wall. And he asked, he just really challenged everyone to go to a map at the wall and prayerfully ask the Lord what country he was laying on their heart to pray for. And my parents went to um, different sides of the room, different maps, and they both put a pin in Germany. 
And so this was before I was born, but I remember my entire growing up, we were just continually praying and asking the Lord for wisdom and um, direction for when and where to go to serve in Germany. And so we actually did then leave when I was 10. So that's part of my story of really um, growing up in a family where it was, we were very missional. It was our family called to ministry and my parents really did that in unison. And the truth is, I think, Working in full-time ministry, whether stateside or somewhere else, it's too hard if you don't have buy-in as a family. I don't think we could have thrived if it was just my my dad's calling. So then fast forward. um, Well, one more back thing would be, I remember clearly at 12, the Lord laying on my heart, um, full-time ministry. And at the time, I thought I was going to be a single missionary Um, to Germany. And five kids later, God had other plans. Um, And uh, I love Germany, and um, it's just hilarious because my younger sister lives there and I live here. So, Um, But uh, my husband, Jeremy, was called to the pastorate 15 years ago, and we really saw that as a calling for our whole family as well. And the way God has really um, sort of shown me my part in that calling has been through prayer. And over the last 15 years, he's given me very precious people in our church that have um, taught me about prayer, prayed with me, and really, um, yeah, just been open with me on this journey about learning about prayer. And I've really seen that as my part. And um, one quick story would be uh, like seven, eight-ish years ago, God just like, it just like downloaded, you need to pray over the sanctuary. Every chair in the sanctuary needs to be prayed over. And so um, about seven of us um, gathered every Sunday morning at 5.30 and prayed over every single chair in here until we were done every week. And then I got pregnant with Hudson, and I couldn't do 5.30 anymore. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the background to um, how God's called us together. Thank you for that. Um, Groups is a main area through which people experience belonging. Uh, We did a little just data analysis. And over 2023, um, we had 40 SR groups, uh, which is a pretty amazing number of groups. Uh, roughly, I think it was, I'm losing my data, 380 people uh, connected to a group at least three different times. In other words, sometimes people can go once or go twice and not come back. Uh, so of those people who attended a group at least three or more times, whether it's Moms Mentoring Moms, our hub, whatever it is, uh, uh, 380 people connected to a group in a fairly substantial way. Uh, this last week, a grandparents group launched. There were 25 at the first grandparents group. Let's Talk Marriage is happening on the third Thursday. We have a financial stewardship group. Our hub, Addiction Recovery, continues. So, so groups are a huge way that people connect. Moms Mentoring Mom this happens the first Tuesday of the month uh, here. And then, uh, Kim, or, I'm sorry, Amy, tell us a little bit about the new groups that we were part of Built Together 2025. Yeah, so um, I had actually read shortly after I came on staff, I um, read in a book that, and this is, mind you, this is pre-COVID, everything's changed post-COVID, but we had read that um, about 40% of any congregation 
um, could be found dealing with mental health struggles or diagnoses for themselves or somebody like in their family or that they care about and that we have to stop sweeping it under the rug. And, um, you know, it's also not uncommon, we run into this all the time in Christian circles, that because we do have a, a Lord and Savior who's a healer and in whom we find satisfaction, we kind of cut each other off at the knees and minimize people's struggles by saying things like, well, you just need to have more faith. You just need to pray more. And that just kind of heaps like shame and stigma upon what people are walking through. And um, so it just became really apparent, like we've got to find ways to make this more accessible, to really help people and, and for us to get equipped. So one of the wonderful things um, that, as I mentioned about trauma healing, um, the Trauma Healing Institute takes that curriculum all over the world. Um, it's used in war-torn countries for refugees. It's used for children. It's used for people to um, heal um, when they come out of a horrible, like, human slavery, um, modern-day slavery, sex trafficking, things like that. Um, and it's kind of tailored to each curriculum, uh, to each culture, so that it's uh, culturally relevant. And it's just having amazing, amazing effects. Um, we actually, Jeremy was just telling me that um, he was connecting with somebody who's part of Samaritan's Purse and found out that um, you know after they provide um, aid, basic you know food, water, necessities um, for somebody uh, for for people who have been through a terrible situation. Um, that the way they minister to them after the basic needs are met is uh, they actually use the trauma healing curriculum, which we didn't know, which we thought was really amazing. Um, so we've run it twice now, and uh, the first time last fall it went really well. Somebody who was in it was so just touched and moved by the experience that she also went on to become equipped to be um, a facilitator and then came back and led it with me this fall and it was just a really wonderful experience. Um, we actually had, I have a couple of um, quotes I just wanted to share. Um, we had such a powerful session this um, last round and the Trauma Healing Institute always likes for us to do a little feedback form, how's it going, what could be better, that kind of thing. And um, here are just a couple of quotes anonymously that people shared. Somebody said, it gave me some hope. Another person said, I was so impacted by the power of someone praying with and for me, I literally collapsed from the power of his presence that night. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, and then another person, and this one really touched me just because I know this person's story pretty well, um, said, I experienced a healing and a freedom I didn't know was possible. I feel released from bondage and strongholds. And that was just so gratifying to see God at work, to get to have that like passenger seat experience. Um, and then in our group counseling that we do with uh, clinical Christian counselor, Dr. Angel De Silva, we have a three-prong focus in there. We really work on cultivating safety for the community, um, giving tools and strategies, and inviting God in, right? Because ultimately, he's the one who's going to do the healing work. And we actually just had somebody share with us, I think it was like two sessions ago, saying that um, what we had been offering in there was actually providing more benefit and help for her than she had found in like a decade of one-on-one -on -one therapy. And that's like the work of the Lord when God is part of it. Um, and I actually recently just came across like just a few days ago, um, a scripture, you know how sometimes when you see something in a different translation and it just like hits you in a whole new way. I came across um, this from Psalm 94 uh, verses 18 and 19 in the New King James Version. And it says, um, if I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, 
your comforts delight my soul. And that's really what we seek to bring to people is like, let's invite God into this. Thank you for that. Uh, Kim, um, one of the things we've been clear about is that we don't want to outsource prayer to a prayer coordinator. Uh, we want God to use you as a prayer coordinator to catalyze prayer in the environment of Southridge from in all people, at all places, and all times. Tell us a little bit about some of what that role looks like and things that you've been taking initiative in. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm doing my favorite thing. So I'm totally, this is my dream job. So I'm just very excited for what God has in store. And I really come into this sort of open-handed, just asking the Lord um, to continue to teach me and grow me. And um, yeah, to grow a team, because I'm not looking to do this alone, but really in community as we impact the community. And um, probably the visual I have for this role is just um, allowing prayer to be the connective tissue that sort of um, con connects all the different ministries in our um, community, that um, prayer is sort of that which holds it all together. Um, the verse that God has given me sort of as I've begun this uh, role is 1 Corinthians 2.12. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given. This is what we speak, not words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. So that's my heart, is that as a community, we would learn how to speak um, through the Holy Spirit, his truth and his words. Um, I kind of hate the word prayer because it sounds like something you do and check off. But really, prayer is about um, being in the presence of Yahweh. And so I would love for prayer to have um, a place in all of our lives where we all feel equipped and encouraged in how to be in the presence of God um, and just experience the fullness of that, of his grace and mercy in his presence. So... Um, there's a lot of ways that I think God is sort of nudging me and um, encouraging us in this. Um, one is I just feel a deep burden for praying for our church staff and ministry leaders, both paid and volunteer. So I pray for them by name with verses that just whatever God downloads. Like um, a lot of times just like, Lord, what do you want me to pray? Write it down. Um, and I still pray over the chairs. Um, I have um, very loyal, dedicated people that pray with me before church on Sunday morning. And so you are all prayed over. Sometimes I like to look out at the chairs and be like, um, I know what was prayed for in your chair. So um, just know you're being prayed over. Um, yeah, I'm just excited about um, how God will use prayer to really encourage and strengthen and protect um, our staff and all they do and our volunteer leaders and also just excited to see um, what God is going to do with prayer both on our campus and in our community. 
If you could join me in thanking these ladies, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I just really appreciate them and just continue to appreciate everything that God continues to do. The last one of our E's is extend God's love. We want to increase in strength and avenues for redemptive engagement. And so we've also seen significant growth in that. Uh, if you are around here, you know that one of the things that happens here during the week is Foundation's First Christian Meets. It's a Christian initi- educational initiative. Uh, I think they began with expecting maybe 30 or so students about a year ago. I think presently there's around 120. And so this place is incredibly active during the week. Uh, we have lots of community partnerships. Thank you for that. Um, we have a number of new missionaries. Uh, we have 20 missionary partners serving around the world with 12 different organizations. We have 10 organizational partners that we support. We have three brand new missionaries uh, serving the needs of some of the poorest children in the world, uh, serving the needs of refugees in Ukraine, and also serving and reaching people for Christ in the country of Turkey. I'm going to invite our team to come back up, and you'll continue to hear a little bit more about some of the facility things that we're going to be pursuing, particularly as year-end giving uh, comes into focus in December, uh, because our facility is a major way that we extend God's love uh, to our community and this location. So we're really thankful for that, and you'll be hearing a little bit more about that upcoming. I'm going to ask you for you to stand, and uh, the closing song that we're going to sing is the song, The Blessing. Friends, we really believe that God loves people, that his heart desires to bless, that the evil, the conflict, the trauma in this world is something that God weeps over. And so we want to give ourselves as a church to being confident of God's blessing in our lives and extending that to others as well. We don't want to simply be a reservoir that sits and soaks, but we want to be a conduit through which God's grace and his favor and the smiling face of his love is transferred to those beyond us. And so let's sing this with a sense of conviction, a sense of thankfulness, of gratefulness, as well as being part of the mix of people that God uses to actually extend his blessing in the world. We're not just recipients, but the way that the world knows that God loves them, his plan is for us to be involved to do the good works that he's called us to do. So let's sing the song together.
for we, for you, are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you, for us to do. May we pursue together at Southridge, we as individuals, may we pursue together the good works that God prepared even before the beginning of time for us to do. And everyone who agreed said, amen, amen. Yeah. Our prayer team is down here to the right. We'd love to pray for you. May you go and may the Lord's blessing be with you.